One minute until showtime. We want to go back to the old school for a minute. Hand clapping and toe tapping. We want to visit our friends over in Chicago. Sister Albertina Walker, Inez Andrews, the Baron sisters, Clay Evans, and Father Hayes and the Cosmopolitan Church of Prayer. All right, all right. This is Watchman on the Wall coming in here on Toe Tapping Music. Amen. Toe Tapping to let you know Jesus Christ can save you, sanctify you, and cleanse you up and get you ready for heaven. Amen. Don't you know one thing about it? One thing about it a lot of people don't understand. The Lord Jesus Christ is on his way back to this earth. And when he comes, he's going to come in power and the great glory, which you see in our modern society now is the close of the age. The close of the age, the close of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, getting ready to come back and straighten all this mess up that the devil has messed up, and man has let the devil mess him up because he won't listen to the great God of Zion. I mean the God of eternity. I mean the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of long-suffering, and he is a God of wrath. He is a God of wrath. But his wrath is short, but his mercy, his mercy endures forever. The everlasting, eternal, almighty, omnipotent God is still sitting on the throne, and he is what? He's answering prayers. He's saving souls. He's healing people. He's doing all these things. Amen. A lot of people don't see it. Amen. But you got to be you got to be a man of God. You've got to be a woman of God. You've got to be saved and sanctified before you can see what God is doing. Because if you don't know anything about it and have never experienced his love and his mercy, you don't know what he's doing. And one, one thing he's doing, he's saving. He's saving souls. That's his main job. Saving souls from what? From hell. Saving souls from hell. Because you don't want to go to hell. My friends, I'm warning you. The Bible warns you. Jesus warns you. The prophets warned you. Don't go to hell. And I know you don't hear much about hell anymore. You don't hear much about eternal destruction because of sin. Everybody's supposed to be going to heaven now because uh, you go to church or because you wear fine clothes or because you pay your money in church or because you don't do, do things and do this and don't do that. Oh, you can go to heaven, but you can't go to heaven but one way, only one way that a man, a woman, or a girl can enter into the kingdom of God. Only one way. And that one way is none other than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know what people are thinking about Jesus Christ. Say, I am. He is the way, the truth. And the life. No man, no woman, no child can get to the Father unless they come by Jesus Christ. He's not coming by his looks. He's not coming by his good works. He's not coming by the clothes, like I said, the clothes he wears or the things he do. 
You ain't going to heaven like that. Amen. You got to be saved, S-A-B-E-D, period, by what? The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible says about the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. My, 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 my. you got to come to the cross. The only way a man can get to, to God, he's got to come by that cross. That cross is where Jesus laid down his life. And he said, I got power to lay it down, and I got power to pick it up again. I received this from my father. He said, my father sent me. I didn't come on my own. God sent me. What? He sent me down here, born of a virgin Mary, not by the will of man, not by the flesh of blood, not by uh, 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 some uh, extra uh, uh, phenomenon, but by the will of God. God became flesh, walked in the flesh. Now, what I mean by that, I mean that he was a human being. God became human for the first time ever, ever in eternity. God never did this before. Woo, he never did. This is the first time he ever done it, and it was the last time. When he left the Mount of Olives after the resurrection, and stay after the resurrection, he stayed on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights to prove with infallible proof that he is a son of God, that he was rose from the dead by the God himself. He came back from the dead. He came back from hell. He come back from the pits of hell. He come back from the dungeon of hell. He came back with what? All power. All power and heaven and earth in his hand, and now he can save you. Woo, save your mama, your daddy, your sister. He can save your enemies. He can save those that you don't like. He can save the black man, the white man, the Chinese man, the Russian man. He can save the Jewish man. He can save them to the utmost that what? He can be set free from sin, death, hell, and the grave. The only thing that can make a man free, the only thing that can sanctify a man, the only thing that can justify a man, the only thing that can edify, is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. My, 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 my. Let me take my time. 2,000 years ago. 2,000. Think about that. That's a long time, and he's been in heaven. And guess what? The earth right now is in trouble. The globe is in trouble. The government is in trouble. Some of the churches are in trouble. Woo, my God. The lying thief is in trouble. The backbiter is in trouble. Why? Because they need to know the power of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They need to come out from among sin. They need to be separated from sin. They need to cry out to the Lord God Almighty and ask him and save their soul from sin, death, and the grave. They need to repent. They need to turn 180 degrees from sin, death, hell, and the grave. They need to quit playing around with God's mercy and his grace because his grace is awesome. 
He give man 2,000 years. And you know man ain't made a turn. Man ain't made nothing. He's still going on about his way from, from generation to generation. And now we're living in the last, last generation, just before Christ comes. This is the last generation. What, what you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the generation that Jesus Christ is going to come back in. And that generation started in 1948. In 1948, do you know what happened? Do you know what happened in 1948? Now, uh, this happened. But the greatest event that happened to show us that this is the last generation is when Israel, when Israel came back to the land of the land they in now. They came back to the land that they were given to by God Almighty, and that's the land of Canaan, known as today as Israel. Israel came back to them. They became a nation for the first time over the period of 2,600 years. They were scattered all over the face of the earth. They were reputed. They were slaughtered. They were denied. They were uh, 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 denied to be a race. And God told us in his word, before I come back, before I can judge the world, I got to have Israel in the land. I got to have the Jews in the land. I got to have the seed of Abraham in the land. Now, we know Abraham had a lot of seeds. He had a lot of, he was a birth of many nations. He's the father of many nations. He's the father of the Palestinians, the Arabs. He's the father of many nations. But there's only one nation that came from Abraham that God used down from the time that Abraham crossed the Euphrates River. When Abraham crossed the Euphrates River, his name was changed from Abraham to what? He became a Hebrew. He crossed over. He crossed over from idolatry over to knowing and having a relationship with the God of the universe, the God that has no beginning, the God that has no end, the God that made everything by creating in it. Amen. He just spoke the word and it appeared. Woo! The God of love, the God of mercy. And now, as we live in the last days, the generation that Jesus Christ is going to return, absolutely, definitely, there's no doubt, there's no shadow of a doubt about it. He's coming back in this generation, and this generation began in May the 14th, 1948. And from 1948 all the way over to 2023, it's been 75 years, 75 years, 75 years that Israel has become has been a nation, and guess what? They're never, they're never, they're never going to be driven out of the land. No more, no more. God got them in there because he said, when I get ready to come back, I want them to be in the land because in the end time, in the close of what? The close of the age, I'm going to what? I'm going to bring the Jews back into the land, and there I will what? I will deal with them. 
I will reveal to them that the true Messiah that you have rejected over 26 years is going to come back. And what he's going to do, he's going to stand right on the top of the Mount of Olives and reveal himself to the Jewish nation. And the Jews have to be in the land in order for him to come back. If the Jews are not in the land waiting and looking for the return of the Messiah, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Brother Bazaar. Listen to what I got to tell you. The Jews are in the land because God said I will bring them back. He said when I bring them back, they're coming back in unbelief. And by them coming back in unbelief, they are looking for the Messiah, which will which is the wrong Messiah. You hear what I said? The wrong Messiah, because before Jesus Christ can come back to the earth and put his feet on the Mount of Olives, there is a false Messiah that's coming ahead of him. Now, you've got to understand this. There's a false Messiah coming ahead of him, and this false Messiah is called the Antichrist, anti-God, anti-holy, anti-everything that... This Antichrist is going to be against, he's going to be against all the holiness of God, all the righteousness of God, the word of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's against that. He's against the uh, of, of God becoming flesh. He's against that. He's against everything that God does. And see, God is holy in all his ways, and he's righteous in all his works. So whatever God does, it's right. God can never do wrong. God can never make a mistake. God can never stum- stumble over the clouds of heaven and fall down and, 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 and mess up things. He can't do it because he's the sustainer of everything, things that are seen and things that are unseen. God keeps it together because without him speaking the word of united together, it ain't going to come together. So where we at, preacher? Where are we in that 75th year that the Jewish nation has been a nation. The 75th year of the Jews being a nation. And they have had, Lord have mercy. Let me let me let me get my little book here. Amen. Excuse me, I got to get this information for y'all, amen, and let you know what's going on over there in the Middle East. What is going on in the Middle East? And here we find in the Word of God, before Christ can come back, we're going to let you know what the Jews have been through already. This, this is a timeline of major events in the history of Jerusalem, a city that has been fought over 16 times in its history. 16 times they've been fighting in Jerusalem. During a long history, Jerusalem has been destroyed twice. It has been besieged 23 times. It has been attacked. 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. This is the only city 
on the planet that has so many battles and so many sieges and so many war, uh, uh, history of war than any other city on the planet. And Jerusalem is one of the oldest cities that have existed through the annals of time. It existed through the Babylonian Empire. It existed through the Median Persian Empire. It existed through the Grecian, Grecian Empire. And it existed through the Roman Empire. And we know Bible scripture tells us that there's going to be a revived Rome. Rome is going to be revived under the authority of the Antichrist. In other words, the revived Rome is in the making right now because they're talking about one world government, a new world order, a reestablishment of a reset. And it's in the making right now and letting you know the history of Jerusalem, there have been rulers that have tried to control Jerusalem, but they never have done it. And now we're living in a period of time where the nations of the world, the nations of the world are planning to capture Jerusalem. Let's see what the Bible says. Not what Brother Bazaar said, because really Brother Bazaar ain't got nothing to say without the word of God. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Let's see what Zechariah, Zechariah says this in his word. In the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, God writes to Zechariah and writes him a love letter in the 12th chapter of the 12th chapter of Zechariah, Zechariah writes these words. Now listen to what it said very carefully. The burden of the Lord, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. It, 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 didn't, say, it didn't say Russia, China, New York City. It said the, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel says the Lord, which stretches forth the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and forms the spirit of man with him. God is the maker. God is the controller. God is the designer. God is the all-powerful God. One God. One God, not three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is all one manifested in three different offices. God the Father. God the Father, the one that started everything, the one that brought life unto the world. And then guess what? God became the Son. He was manifested in the Son. What was the Son's name? The Son's name is Jesus Christ, which is God Almighty. Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh, seen of angels, justified by the Spirit, received up into glory, and now he is what? God the Holy Spirit, because number one, when Jesus Christ left here, he said, look at y'all, look, look here, I'm going away, but I want y'all to go back down in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, and he shall endue you with power from on high, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost, and you shall be a witness for me to the utmost parts of the earth. Now, he was talking to the Jewish 
He was talking to the Jews that was in the upper room because the church was started first with the Jew. You hear what I said? It started first with the Jew. So without the Jew, the church could not be started because God told Abraham, out of thee shall come a what? A royal seed. Out of thee shall come a conqueror. Out of thee shall come a counselor. Out of thee shall come the root and offspring of David. And he said, now, I've got to get the nation of Israel in a position where I can do what? Get them in Jerusalem. When I get them into Jerusalem, I'm going to send them some power from on high, and they shall be a witness for me to the utmost parts of the earth, and they're going to preach the word of God. But guess what happened? Guess what happened? They rejected Christ. The Jews rejected Christ. They rejected the true Messiah. They rejected the one that was born of a virgin Mary, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Good God Almighty came all the way down through 42 generations, through the tribes of Judah, on, on down, until Mary was found with child. When Mary was found with child, she was surprised. She was pregnant without knowing a man. Never happened in history. Never happened in history. Was pregnant. With a holy child, born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, God himself wrapped himself up in human flesh and stayed in the womb of Mary for nine months. And when the nine months was up, he, she, she, she brought forth the son, and the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people. What people? The Jewish people. God had more trouble with the Jewish people than the other nation on the face of the earth. And the reason why, because the Jews were so set up in Judaism. They were so set up in the law. They were so set up in animal sacrifices. They were so set up on rituals and ordinances until when Jesus Christ come, they didn't want to get rid of it. They didn't want to deny that the law was sufficient enough. They thought the law was sufficient enough, but the law wasn't sufficient enough. The law can't save you. The Ten Commandments cannot save you. Rituals can't save you. Ordinance can't save you. None of those things can save you. But God used the Jews to bring forth a type and shadow, a type and shadow. See, a shadow don't last long. A type don't last long. He used the type of a lamb to represent Christ. But the lamb in the Old Testament was only a type and shadow of a better sacrifice. And the better sacrifice was what? A human. A human. A human, supernatural human. When Jesus Christ was born, he was born as a human being. That was God born of a virgin Mary. Not of the seed of a man, not of the seed of another entity, but the seed of God, God the Holy Ghost, God the Holy Ghost planted himself inside of Mary's womb and stayed there until the fullness of time came. And then he said, I came to my own, and my own receiving not. But as many receive me, I give them power to become the sons of the living God. And when they were in the upper room, they stayed in there and stayed in there for 40 days. I mean, 10 days. 
Jesus Christ stayed on earth 40 days, and then he said, now I'm going back to heaven, and 10 days later, I'm going to have a, a festival. I'm going to have a jubilee. I'm going to reign. Whoo, I'm going to reign the Holy Ghost down on the 120 Jews that was in the upper room. And when they they filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means festival. Pentecost means jubilee. Pentecost means victory. Pentecost means infilling. Infilling what? With the power of God. The power of God to change 120 Jews. And when 120 Jews were converted woo, and were saved and sanctified, they did not stay inside the church. They didn't have no business meeting. They didn't have no uh, 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 time to gab around and sit around and do nothing. When the Holy Ghost came in, they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a heat. The Holy Ghost is not the third person of the Trinity. They're all on one basis. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. they got three different operations. Without Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross and paying the penalty for sin, there would be the Holy Ghost could not come and stay in you. But when Jesus Christ died and opened up the fountain that was filled with blood, when it was filled with blood, it flowed from Emmanuel's vein. And if the sinner, if the low-down sinner, come on now, come on. If you're a sinner, you're low down. You hear what I say? If you're a sinner, you're low down. Now, you're new. You ain't low down because you're a sinner. You're low down because you won't accept Jesus Christ to, who paid the price for your sins and became what you are. He became exactly what you are. You're a liar. You're a backbiter. You're a hater of God's work. You 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 cheat. You steal. You fornicate. You're whoremongering. You're lying. You're doing all those things. You're low down. Satan says that this is what he wants. But Jesus Christ said, "I didn't come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill it." And He fulfilled it with love. Although you deserve to go to hell, I deserve to go to hell. Your mama deserved to go to hell. Ooh, your child, your your children deserve to go to hell, but God said, I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm willing to give up my son. I'm willing to let my son come down here and become a liar. I'm willing to let my son become a whoremonger and an adulterer. I'm letting him take your sin and nail him to the cross. And when he nailed him to the cross, he paid the price. He paid the price. So what we got? We got the Jews in the upper room. And when the 50th day came, there was a mighty Russian sound that came from heaven as a mighty Russian wind blew in on the 120, and they all were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they got busy. When they got busy, they went outside. When they went outside, they began to preach the gospel in other tongues. Good God Almighty, look at what God is doing. He spoke, they all spoke in different languages. And the Jewish nation had came from the ingatherings of the diaspora. In other words, they were scattered. But when they found out that the Pentecost was coming, they came to Jerusalem. And they had been out scattered over the face of the earth for 2,600 years. And when they came back, Lord have mercy, you got to help me this evening. When they came back to Jerusalem, they had picked up a different dialect. You hear what I'm saying? They came back from Russia. They came back from China. They came back from 
uh, 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 Afghanistan. They came back from India. They came back from Egypt. They came back from all four corners of the earth to meet at the day of Pentecost. And when they met the day of Pentecost, the 120 came out preaching in other tongues. The other tongues is for a sign for those that don't believe. And they did not believe that they were filled with the Holy Ghost until they heard them speak in their own language because they knew that these were Galileans and these Galileans didn't know no other foreign language. And we know that if you don't know no other foreign language, you just can't get up and start speaking in other tongues. But when the Holy Ghost came down, God is the Holy Ghost. Elohim is the Holy Ghost. Jehovah is the Holy Ghost. And when it entered into their souls, into their spirit, into their minds, into their body, they tell me the tongue begins to speak in different languages. And the people that came from different languages, in different, uh, different areas of, of the country and of the world, they say, how can these men speak? where I can understand them and they don't know the language that I came from, and yet still I can understand the language that they're speaking. And when they spoke, they said, what must we do? Come on. What must we do in order to be saved? What must we do in order to be sanctified? What must we do in order to receive the love of the almighty God? What must we do to have love and justice? And how, what, what must we do in order to forgive those ooh, that do harm against us? What must we do? And Peter stood up and said, repent every one of you in the name. Repent every one of you and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. And the Jews did not believe that Jesus Christ was God Almighty. Peter stood up and told them, said, now, if you want to receive Christ in your life, you've got to repent and be baptized in his name. Talking to the Jewish people. Gentiles wasn't, there was Gentiles there, but the gospel didn't come to the Gentiles first. The gospel came to the Jews first. And the Jews was a mono, monotheist belief. They believe in one God, one baptism, one faith, one hope. And Peter said, now, if you want to receive Christ, you've got to believe if you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, you can be saved. And when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it's no different from what Jesus told them in the 28th chapter, the 19th verse. He said, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus' name, which is Jesus' name, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, all one baptism. It's no different. And the Jews say, well, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and Jesus Christ's name came from God, and God's name is Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and since he's God in the flesh, it was God in a human body, a sinless body, no sin, nowhere, perfect, sinless birth. He didn't cry when he was born. He didn't have no strength to be born. And Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, God became a born child. The Bible says a child was given. 
meaning he was born. And a what? A, a child was born and a son was given. In other words, if he was given, that means that he's eternity. Woo! Check that out. Isaiah said, a child shall be born and a son shall be given. When you give a gift, woo, and God gave a gift, and that son was given, the only begotten of God. So he already existed in the spiritual realm, but when he was born as a child, that means he became a human being, a baby. And by him being a baby, he still was in the cradle, and yet and still he could control the world. Oh, look here, look here. A little child, a baby in the manger, still running the planet. And it didn't stop. The moon didn't go out. The sun didn't quake. The stars didn't shake. And the world's been going on ever since he's been born. Why? Because although he was in the cradle as a baby, he still was God. He was not on his throne. He was in the cradle. He was a little humble child born of God. And when he came, he came for one reason. And no other reason did he come. He didn't come just to walk on the water. He didn't come to just do miracles. He didn't come down here to rebuke people. He came down here to show God's love in himself. He came down here to do one specific job. Somebody, somebody had to die for the low-down, dirty, rotten, corrupt sin that man has committed ever since the time of Adam and Eve. The low-down, dirty, rotten, stinking sin back. Ooh, it was so smelly. Sin is so stinking that it'll make you stink. Sin is so damnable that if you don't come to Jesus Christ as accept him as your personal Savior, sin can damn your soul. The Bible says, whoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever believeth not shall be damned. Sin is so damnable that there was no power in hell. There's no power in heaven. There's no power nowhere but in Jesus Christ that a man can be saved and sanctified and cleansed and made anew and turn from the wicked ways that man has been messing with for the last 6,000 years, and now we're in the last generation, and sin has become a, 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 a utopia on the planet. There's sin everywhere. But let me tell you, oh, my God, if you've been born again, if you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no sin in your soul. There's no sin in your spirit. The only sin you have to deal with is the sins of the flesh. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with now because a lot of people are saved, still sinning. How can you say you're saved and you're still sinning? Why? Because the flesh will never be sanctified. The flesh will never be cleansed. 
The only cleansing that you have received, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it comes from the inside. And that inside can only be ratified by the blood of Christ because the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful, more powerful than any A-bomb that man can make, any T-bomb, a C-bomb, an atomic bomb. Because bombs don't do nothing but destroy. But this bomb that comes from Gilead, this bomb that comes from Gilead can change your life. I know what I'm talking about. Change your life forever. When you become a Christian, you will never be the same again. You will never be the same again. Why? Because when Christ comes into your life, he never changes. He never will leave you. He never will forsake you. But first, he's got to come in. You you got to let him in. If you don't let him in, then you won't by yourself. And you can confess Christ and live like you're a Christian, but if you really have never accepted him and been repentant of your sins and you ain't, you don't have a testimony saying, I know I've been changed, I know I've been changed. The angels in heaven done sign my name. I know I've been saved because the Bible said, I ain't talking about myself. The Bible says you know absolutely, that you have passed from death to life because you love the brothers. Lord, have mercy. That means you love everybody. You love everybody you see. You love those that talk about you. You love the those that don't even talk to you. You love, you just love God's people, whether you're saved or not saved. I can love you, but I might not love your lifestyle because God is a holy God. And if you haven't been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ and cleansed with from that, that filthy sin inside of your heart, inside of your mind, guess what? You are lost. And if you're lost, there's only one place lost people can go. Lost people go to hell. Lord, have mercy. There's a lot of people in church lost. There's a lot of people on the outside know Jesus Christ more than they do in the church. Just because you say, Lord, Lord, how not we prophesied, how we cast out devils, how not we done wonderful miracle work, Jesus comes along and tells you, depart from me, your workers of iniquity. I don't even know you. I don't know you. But you say, I know you, Lord. No, you don't know. And when the Lord says he don't know you, he don't know you. The only way you can know him is what? You repent and turn from what? Sin. S-I-N. All kinds of sin. Sin is sin. Sin damn your soul. Sin of unbelief. And that's one of the most devastating sins that a man commits. That's one sin will guarantee to put you in hell. What's that, preacher? The sin of unbelief. You mean to tell me that all that Jesus done when he was here on earth, all that he said, all that he done, all that he experienced, all that he went through, all that he went through for you and I, the crucifixion was devastating. They beat him. Don't you understand? I mean, people can't understand. They beat him, but they beat him more than you can even think how they beat him. They beat him so bad that when they hung him on the cross, there was not a human being on the planet that could look straight at it 
and not bow their heads. Long as I've known, long as I've known, long as he has been with me, I still got to bow my head. Knowing that he done saved me and sanctified, I still got to bow my head and say, Lord, you really love me. Not only do you love me, but you love the whole world. You love all these poisons. You love all these people that have been poisoned with all kinds of different religions down here on earth. You love every one of them. And you died for every one of them. And I'll tell anybody, if you can find anybody what Jesus, find anybody did the duplicate what Jesus done, I'll stop. Find me another man. Find me another deity that did what Jesus done. Tell me, give, give me some names. You can't give me no names. And if you give me the name, it's, false, it's phony. Ain't no preacher on this planet. Amen. Can do, do what Jesus did. Ain't no preacher can do it. No deacon can't do it. No evangelist can't do it. Nobody can do what Jesus done. Because Jesus Christ was God Almighty, and you ain't God Almighty. Ain't nobody on this planet God Almighty. Ain't nobody on this planet Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in heaven, sitting on the right-hand side of his Father, making intercision for you and I. And when he come back, he's coming back for a church. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost church. I'm talking about a church that loved the Lord. I'm talking about a church who's on fire for God in these last and evil days and ain't playing around. I'm talking about... Ooh, I'm talking about a church that's announcing the return of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a church that's announcing what's going to happen at the end of this year. What year? This year is almost gone. And look how it's ending. It's ending with disaster. And all the disaster you see, guess what? Christ is still saving. He doesn't save Ever since the day of Pentecost, souls have been saved around the world, and they have been saved today. And by this, the last generation, 75 years, Israel is in the land now. And by them being in the land, they got a problem. They got a problem of the Gentile nations. They got a problem with the Palestine. They got problem with Hamas. They got problem with Hezbollah, uh, uh, whatever his name is. They got a problem with what? Trying to eliminate the Jewish people from the face of the earth. Why? Because Satan says, Satan says, I got to get rid of these people. These people are something else. These people is a representative of the true God of all ages from all the way from the birth of Seth, the second son of who? The second son of Eve. Seth was the second son after Cain had killed Abel. Because what? Abel was, was, the, promise, was the promise seed after, after Eve had a firstborn. This is, what, this is what Eve said when she had a firstborn a firstborn child. She said, I've begotten a man from the Lord. And what she was saying, 
She said, the Messiah has come. Because she knew something about the promised seed that God promised that he was sin. And when Cain was born, she said, I've begotten a man from the Lord. And Cain grew up. And then the second son was named Abel. And Abel grew up. And when they grew up and got to the age of responsibility, they both offered sacrifices. Now, get, get, get a hold of this. I want you to get this. They both offered sacrifice. And to make a long story short, Abel was a sheep herder. And Cain was a farmer. And both sons had the knowledge of sacrifice. And the sacrifice that Abel made, listen to what I'm saying. This is very important. Abel offered his sacrifice. And Abel knew that his sacrifice had to be. Abel knew his sacrifice had to be of blood. Listen to what it says in the scriptures. Now, I ain't going to somewhat round up Robin Hood's born. I'm going to the scriptures. Abel offered up a lamb. Cain offered up fruit from the ground, vegetables, and he, they both laid all their sacrifice on the altar. Cain laid his on there. Guess what? Cain laid his on there. Abel laid his on there. When Cain laid his on it, he offered it up to God without, without blood. You can't get blood from a turnip. You can't get blood from a watermelon and squash it. You can't get no blood from that. So Cain worked in the garden. He worked. And he probably could go some good fruit. And he worked. And he laid it on the altar and told God, this is my sacrifice. It was not that it was a bad sacrifice, but it was without blood. And being without blood, God said, you're trying to work your way without blood. And when Cain got through, and the smoke began to go up into heaven. It made a U-turn and went towards the ground. Read your Bible. It went towards the ground. And the reason it went towards the ground is because God was displeased with the sacrifice. It was no good. Works that you do and call yourself doing for God is no good without blood. And Abel. Listen to what Abel did. Abel was a sheep herder. He went out in the field and got him a ewe lamb. He took that lamb and slit the throat of the lamb and took the lamb and sprinkled the blood on top of the altar, on top of the animal. And he set it on fire. 
And when he set it on fire, the smoke went up into heaven, into God's nostrils. And God saw the sacrifice because Cain said, I've got to offer a sacrifice for my sins because I am a sinner. And since I'm a sinner, I've got to have blood because the soul is in the blood. And that lamb blood at that time was a covering for Abel. But Cain didn't have no blood, so he didn't have a covering for his sin. And by him not having a covering for his sin, God rejected works because he didn't have faith in the blood of the animals that he was supposed to give up. Now, don't get me wrong. Cain could have went to Abel and got one of them lambs just like he did. But since he was an older brother and he thought he knew everything because he was an older brother, and by him being the older brother, he had too much pride to recognize that what? That he needed a blood sacrifice. And today, 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 I'm going to bring it on down to 4,000, through 4,000 years of sacrifices of animals. Because in the Old Testament, God did not accept the forgiveness of sin unless the people have a temple to build and take them sacrifices of animals and lay it on the altar for a blood sacrifice in the Old Testament. If they didn't do it, God would reject them, and they would be destroyed because, woo, because there was no blood on the doorpost in Egypt. Before the Israelites could get out of Egypt, they had to get a lamb for each family and slaughter that lamb and take some heifer and put it on the doorpost, the upper lintel and the left side of the lintel and the right side of the lintel. And they would take that blood and death would come. God told death to go by that night. And if you see the blood, of the animal sacrifice that they have slaughtered, I'll pass over that family. And every house that had the blood on the doorpost, all the firstborn did not die. But those that were out, the blood on the doorpost, all the firstborn would die. And God used the Jewish people to show us in the latter days, in the fullness of time, God sent what? God sent his only son. And that only son made the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. No more sacrifice. If you miss this, if you die and go to hell and miss what Christ did on Calvary's cross and you reject that plan of salvation, if you miss it, you will never, never, never Never have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because when you die, you're going to be cut off from God. You're already cut off from God. And by you being cut off from God in your sin, you will have to pay your own sin penalty. And your own sin penalty is to be separated from God. That's the penalty. And the penalty is that you will die in your sins, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when you reject the blood of Jesus Christ, guess what? You will die. And when you die, you will lift your eyes up in hell and find out that you really 
was not saved and that you really didn't accept Jesus Christ and that you will never have an opportunity to come to Christ. Why don't you come to him now? Because we are living in the last days, and we're going to get into that pretty soon. We are living in the last days. Before, before Christ comes back to this earth, remember, the Antichrist will come. The Antichrist today is alive. He's ready to come back on, come back on, not come back on the scene, but come on the scene because this Antichrist will be the false Christ that the Jews will accept because when he comes on the scene, he's going to make a peace treaty. Listen, he's going to make a peace treaty with Israel. And the peace treaty will be that he will protect the Jews for seven years. He will make a covenant with the Jews. And the Jews will believe that he is the Christ. And they are planning, the Jews right now, right now, is planning to build a temple. To build a temple. And they're in preparation right now in building this new temple that has not been built since the year 70 A.D. 70 AD was when the last temple was destroyed, and by the destruction of that temple, the Jews got it in the mind, in the heart, in the spirit. We are going to rebuild this temple, and we are going to accept this man that says he is Jesus Christ because he's going to give us permission to what? To rebuild the temple and to offer sacrifices unto animals. Why? Because the Jews believe that Judaism is the ultimate religion, and Judaism is not the ultimate religion. Neither is Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, a divine relationship between God's spirit and your soul and your spirit. When the spirit of God connects with your spirit, it changes you from the inside out. He changes from the inside out. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become a new creature. Therefore, you're not in that old nature. You become a new creature. Old things be pass away. Behold, everything is new. So now, by us living in the last days, the Antichrist is here. I'm not going to get into too much of that because it, it, it takes a little more time to explain to you. He's alive today. He's waiting for a specific time for him to come. But before he comes, Jerusalem will go through the greatest war that you will ever face. And this war will be started. This war was started on October the 7th. 2023, this war was started. Up to now, they're still fighting. And for the next 12 months, 12 months, I get me, the next 12 months, there will be war in the Middle East. And this war will mount up to a point where the nations of the world will try to eliminate the Jewish people and guess what? They're not going to be able to do it because Jesus Christ said, when I come back, I'm going to save a remnant. I'm going to save a remnant of the Jewish people. Why? Because I promised Abraham, whoo, I will be his shield. I promised Abraham I was going to be his leaning post. I promised Abraham that the seed of Judah 
will come down through 42 generations. I told him that a Messiah was coming. I told him that the rose of Sharon would come. I told him all through the scriptures that I'm going to bring forth a branch, and this is called the righteous branch. And this branch is, is, is considered in the word of God as being the almighty God manifested in the flesh, seen of angels, justified by the spirit, and now he received up into glory, and he's getting ready to come back. Listen what it says. This is about Jerusalem, 12th chapter of Zechariah. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, said the Lord, which stretches forth the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, the forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round and about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. What you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the Holy Spirit uses the word Israel in this verse, using the word Judah in this verse. Both are interchangeable and means the same thing. The first phase pictures this city, Jerusalem, as a focal point of the nation. Now listen to what I'm saying. The nations. The nations. The N-A-T-I-O-N-S. The nations of the world. This will take place in the coming great tribulation when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem Concerns the battle of Armageddon. Now listen to here. Look here. Look here. October the seventh, two thousand twenty-three. The Palestinians attacked Jerusalem and ripped families apart, raped the women, killed people, put them in tunnels, locked them up, cut them in half, cut their heads off. Use the body as display as a, as, 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 a, as a circus. They laughed at it. They rejoiced over it. Why? Because now we're coming in the time that Zechariah was saying that the city of Jerusalem will come a trembling cup. And if you want to know what a trembling cup means, that means if you hold a cup of coffee in your hand and you shake with palsy or whatever nervous condition you is Jerusalem going to be shaken from now until the return of Jesus Christ. You hear what I'm saying? It's going to be shaken in January of 2024, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Why? Because this is the year of 2024 that God is going to reveal himself to the Jewish people by the prophecy that's being fulfilled right now. And a lot of people don't want the Jews to come into the land. There's a lot of people that's against the Jews. There's a lot of people that think God is through with the Jews. God is not through with the Jews. God is not through with the If he's through with the Jews, he's through with the church. Because the church came out of the Jewish Judaism. What I mean is that when Christ came, he started the church with the, first with the Jews. But we know that by the unbelief of the Jewish people in the books of Romans 10, 11, and 12, 
Apostle Paul wrote, he said, I'm going to see what's going to happen. I see that the Jews will be cut off from the olive tree. The Jews were cut off at the cross. And the Lord said, I'm going to the Gentiles to stir up jealousy among the Jews. I'm going to make the Jews jealous because they were cut off, and by them being cut off, I'm going to the Gentiles. And 2,000 years, the church has been consistent more of Gentiles than Jews because the nation of Israel is not the church, and the church is not the nation of Israel. The church is the body of Christ, born-again believers. Israel is the one that brought Christ into the world. Israel is the one that wrote the Bible. Israel is the one that's going to exist today, that's going to be reunited and grafted back in what? Grafted back in, and the Gentiles the Gentile going to be cut off. And in the last seven years on this planet, oh, look over here. The last seven years on this planet, the Jewish people will be preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God for seven years. And before they can preach the gospel for seven years, guess what got to happen to the church? The church cannot be here on this earth and preach the gospel to the nation of Israel. The church will be removed from the planet. The church has to leave. The church is on its way to glory. We're living in the last days. We're living in the last church age. Who is the last church age? Where was the last church age? In the book of Revelation, it tells you in the church age of Laodicea. It tells you the condition of that church. Let's see what condition of this church will be in when Christ comes back. Look or here, look or here. It says this in the third chapter of Revelation. In the third chapter of Revelation, we will read what John the Revelator wrote. Let's see what did he write. He wrote this. He said unto the angel or to the pastor of the church, of what? Laodicea. These things said eh, the amen, the faithful and the true witnesses, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold and you ain't hot. I will you were cold or hot. So you have measured. You have measured. Won't do. You half and half. You 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 done on one side and undone on the other side. You 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 have a hypocritical attitude. You confess. You say you know Christ, but live like the devil. So then, because ye are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I now this is what Christ said. I will spew you out of my mouth. You phony. You have hearted. You confess Christ and live like the devil. You talk like the devil. You walk like the devil. You come to church and you try to throw up your hands and claim that you know Jesus Christ. You're going around hating folks. You're going around starting trouble. You're going around telling people that you all this and all that, and you doing this, and you ain't nothing until you come from that half-hearted religion, which is called apostasy. 
apostasy. You in a mess. You in a mess. This is this is what the Bible said. Because you said that I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. The church says this false church. We don't need nothing now. We got goods. We got materialistic things. We we have parties. We go to Las Vegas. We do all these things. We got plenty of money. We got money coming in and money going out. Preachers are being paid with bill salaries, big salaries, and they're they're, they're, they're taking vacations. They're living in luxury. They're having stuff and, and tell people to send them money. So they say, we're rich. We don't need nothing. And listen, you're compromising with the world. You, 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 you dress like the world. You walk like the world. You talk like the world. Then you say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. If he's your shepherd, he's leading you. Is that your shepherd? He's leading you the wrong way because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, if you follow me, you shall not walk in darkness. There's people living in darkness trying to claim light. But you can't claim light and walking in darkness. And he says, and know it not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You start naked. What you talking about? Spiritually, you're naked. Spiritually, you're miserable. Spiritually, you're blind. Spiritually, you're poor. You got five situations there that says you in a bad shape. There's a lot of people in bad shape. The tragedy lays in the fact that while this church gloated over materialistic wealth, she was unconscious of her spiritual poverty. Again, indicative of the modern church. The modern church today is laying their foundation on worldly materialism. Worldly materialism. And when you set yourself on worldly materialism, you have no idea how the spirit works. Because the spirit is of God, and God is not a materialistic. He's a spirit. He's a spirit God. He's a God that says, if you're going to worship me, if you're going to honor me, if you're going to adore me, if you're going to love me, you got to love me in the spirit. And then you say, if you have anything else before me, you in idolatry. And then if you say that you know me and you have haven't had a divine experience with me, you're a hypocrite. There's three things you can be. You can be a sinner and know you're a sinner, or you can be a hypocrite trying to play a Christian's duties, or you can be a true, born-again, baptized, Holy Ghost, Field person that loves the Lord, love the Lord with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love God first, I mean number one. Brothers and sisters, number one. You love to witness to people. You love to give to God. You love 
uh, uh, to see people prosper. You love to see people uh, 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 grow in grace and grow in the Lord. You love, amen, uh, to visit hospitals and, and visit people and pray for people. You love that. Why? Because you're doing God's work. And you're doing God's work because you want to do it. God has called you to do it, and you're being obedient to his word. He said, I counsel you to buy me a gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. What they need to buy could not be purchased with money, but only with the precious blood which, which price has already been paid. But the modern church is not interested. They're not interested in the blood. They're not interested in being rich in the spirit. They're not interested in that. And if you're not interested in that, I have no idea what's in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and not walking in his way and lifting up his holy name. You're not interested in what God has for you. He says, he says this, but the modern church is not interested. And the white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eyesalves that you may see. The modern church today is blind. They're blind on salvation. They're blind on sanctification. They're blind on the burial and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're blind on him leaving this earth. They don't, they, they, people don't even know what mountain he left on. He left on Mount Olive. They're blind about that. They're blind about his return. They're blind about the rapture. People are so confused on the rapture, and it's just as simple as ABC. Either you're ready or you're not ready. Either you're going or you're not going. You're not going by works. You're not going by your mama and your daddy. You're not going by the money you got in your bank. You're not going by the suit clothes you wear. You're not going by nobody. If you go to heaven, if you make it in, you got to go by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross and nothing else. If I have to get my head cut off to prove it to you, only way you can get to heaven is by Jesus Christ. The majority of the people are not ready, so they want to linger on and linger on and hope he don't come. I got to do this, and I got to I got to graduate from high school. I got to get married. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That ain't got nothing to do with Christ not coming. Because when he comes, he's coming as a what? Thief. Let somebody steal from you. Behind your back, somebody steal your car. You go inside, go inside the church building and come out. Somebody don't stole your car. Thief! But Jesus Christ is coming quicker than that. He's gonna come so fast that the world ain't gonna know what what happened within two weeks. They ain't gonna know what happened until they try to explain it away. But when Christ comes, He's coming back after a what? Not a black church, not a Baptist church. Not a Presbyterian church, not a Pentecostal church. No, he's not coming out the occult. He's not coming out the voodoo, hoodoo. He's not coming out of none of that mess. Why? Because what Jesus Christ did, he 
died on Calvary's cross to destroy all that mess. And if you're in that mess, you're going to be left here without a shadow of a doubt if you don't know nothing about the redemptive plan of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it still has his power. If it got power to change my life and make me a new creature, and got me preaching this gospel for 58 years. That's power. Trying to tell people everywhere. Trying to explain to them, you better get ready. Because Jerusalem is going to be the focal point. And it's going to be the one that the world is going to see in 2024. It's going to be a battle on top of a battle. And this battle will not be won until the Gentile nations try to overthrow Jerusalem and the last nation is going to try after these nations try to eliminate there's another nation coming after these five nations because there's five nations now that's planning to go into Jerusalem and ransack it. They're planning to go in there. The Egyptians, the Iranians, Iraq, we got Turkey, we got all these Muslim nations. And the Muslims said, we are going to rule the world. We are going to get rid of these Jews first. And when we get rid of these Jews, we're going to have jihad come in and be our Messiah. That's a line wonder. That's a line wonder from the pits of hell because there's no victory in idolatry. There's no victory in no other God. There's no victory in no other Savior. There's no victory in no other resurrection. There's no victory except Jesus Christ comes back to this earth and settle the difference. Who's on the Lord's side? They tell me Listen to what I got to say. They tell me in the 38th and the 39th chapter of that book called Ezekiel, 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 the wheel in the middle of a wheel, the bone specialist in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel said there was some dry bones in the valley. What, that, what do those dry bones represent? It represents Israel. They've been dry from 606 B.C. all the way up until 1948. They were dry and scattered all over the Gentile nations. And Ezekiel looked at the valley of the dry bones and said, Oh, 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 ye dry bones. And the Lord said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He said, I know it. And the Lord said, all right, Ezekiel, preach. How can you hear without a preacher? How can you preach unless God sent him? God sent old Ezekiel down in the valley of the dry bone, and the dry bones represent the, the Jews that were scattered over the whole world, the whole Gentile world. If you won't believe me, go and ask Hitler. Hitler buried him alive and skinned him alive and put him in the grave dead and burn them and cover them up. They cut their heads off. They use the skin for lampshade. They use all kinds of criminal war. They burned them and they roasted them and, and they did all kinds of experience. The Jews is the one that took all that 
Holocaust, and they tell me there's some Jews still living today, and yet and still the Jews won't turn to Christ. But God said, I'm going to have a way to fix that. I'm going to let them go back into Judaism. I'm going to let them try Judaism for one more time, and I'm going to give them what they want, what they want. They want a false Christ. He said, now look, if I come in my father's name, y'all will not receive it. Talking to the Jews. He said, if I come in my father's name, y'all won't receive me. The Sanhedrin court, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, I come in my own name, y'all will not receive me. But if another come in their own name, y'all are going to receive him. And that is the Antichrist. And when the Antichrist comes, they are going to receive him because they said this is the one that's going to sit in the temple. Yes, it is. He's going to sit in the temple after they get it built. And the Antichrist will give them permission to build this temple. And my friends, let me tell you something. We're standing on it right now. I ain't got time to play hanky-panky. I ain't got time to pop popcorn. I ain't got time to tell yin-yang. I ain't got time to talk little jive stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, we're standing right on the verge of the Jews getting ready to reestablish the third temple. And the Jews said, we got to have our temple. And God said, I'm going to let you build your temple. They had a temple ever since they was down there by Mount Sinai, and they were living in tents. They had the Ark of the Covenant, and God would come from heaven and come down there and live in that Ark. And the pillar of fire would be seen by night, and they would be guided by clouds by day. They st- and the Lord would come down, and when he come down, the priest would go into the temple and offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. But he could not go in the temple unless he be qualified. And he had to go in sinless as speaking to his spirit and offer up a lamb and use that lamb blood to have a covering for the people. They did that for 3,000 years. And they got stopped at Babylon. From Babylon until this present day, they haven't had no sacrifices. And by them having no sacrifices, they say we got to build our temple. The Orthodox Jew. You got the Jews that have that. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.